Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us this week for her second journey down the river is Anne Crescini, popular columnist, YouTuber, TV commentator, and lecturer at Kitakyushu University, where there's currently a three semester waiting list to take her course on why Japanese river cruises are the best in the world. Anne, thanks for joining us. Hey guys, good to see you again. On this week's show, despite a certain amount of effort, yes, zero is an amount of effort, Japanese schools are still struggling with issues like bullying and a system of conformist draconian rules that adversely affect mixed race students. Ali will talk to Anne about her personal experiences as a parent of children in Japanese public schools while I look up what draconian means right quick. Plus, Ali's got your weekly river cruise recommendation. Ali? Yes, Bobby, this week it's all aboard a River Cruise Hiragana Learning Simulation VR Cruise, where each cruise route takes the shape and path of Hiragana character stroke orders. I tried Knot, which starts off like it's a small route, but actually turns back and goes on for longer than you expect. Sot, which meanders south in a leisurely way. And Nu, which made me feel violently sick. And uh, for those of you who are concerned, please don't worry. We will be addressing the issue and uh, giving a formal 20-minute apology for our recommendation last week, which, as you all know, was for an Osaka-based Nazi-themed river cruise. Uh, Ali and I have since done some research into World War II-era Germany, and believe you me, we will never look at the Holocaust the same way again. I'm fairly confident there are listeners that will not know the story that this relates to and think we've just had a wild one. All that and more on the way, but first, Soap Talk. Ryan, I bet you thought that we forgot your birthday, but we did not. No, it's May the 12th. If you say so. And thank you for joining us again. Uh, it's good to have you back. You were one of the guests that uh, we know in person. You're also based in Fukuoka. We've hung out a couple of times. We've done some uh, work projects together. I've been following you on Twitter, and uh, I've noticed that recently your Twitter presence, you've been a little bit more critical of Japanese social or cultural issues. Uh, I'm wondering kind of like what prompted the change. Yeah, that's a very polite way of saying, what made you so damn angry <laughs> online? <laughs> well, I, I still love Japan. I'm crazy about it here. But, you know, I, I think I was a little bit, uh, you know, I, I, I praised it a lot and, and, and I do love it. But I, I think recently just having kids here and seeing and just seeing a lot of the things that like I, I think what triggered it was my my time on the PTA and seeing the craziness that goes on in the PTA and just the yeah. just the overwhelming pressure and unrealistic expectations they have on people here, and that nobody really says anything, even though everybody knows it's crazy. It's just weird, mm. you know. And I and I think so, that kind of just triggered a lot of things where I felt a lot of just injustice, and I felt like I just had to do something, you know. So I'm not a parent to humans, at least I am to cats, and my friends who are parents say that the worst thing, the absolute worst thing about being a parent of young children is the school WhatsApp group, the PTA yeah. WhatsApp group. It is the Japanese line group equivalent, an absolute pit of hell. Yeah, I think pit of hell is a very kind way to put it, actually. It actually was like, in my life, it's, I've never been so bullied or traumatized in my entire life of 47 years on this earth. It was like hell wow. for me. I mean, I... I mean, especially the, the, the group line, you know, Japanese people don't like to talk to each other face to face. They just like to like be mean to each other online when they first off, <laughs> I, like, I just want to say that anytime for anything, anytime I'm invited to a line group, it just gives me anxiety. Oh, yeah. 
They're like, <laughs> like I'm like, no, please don't do that. It, I mean, it was awful. Like we would go to meetings and nobody would say anything to my face. And then I would go home and I would go to bed. Next morning, there was like this long sermon waiting for me, like telling me what a horrible, like irresponsible person I was. And they and and finally, I, I left the group line because I was so bullied by them. They chased me everywhere, and then they followed me to my. The, there was this one guy, especially he followed me to my my personal line and started harassing me there. So uh. it, I mean, you know, there was a lot of nice people too, but it was in in, in general, it for me, it was a really bad experience, and I never want to do it again. Well, so the reason I wanted to bring it up is because um, you've got a long-running column. You've got a large mm-hmm. Japanese following uh, on online and as well as for, like, your TV appearances and things. And like most of us do when we start out, you kind of build a career around this image of being the foreigner who loves Japan. Right. And to have that audience who's joined you for that aspect of your personality, I'm wondering, have you come across any kind of, like, reactions from your Japanese following to some of the more critical stuff. Well, sure. Like the, uh, when I first wrote my, 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 uh, PTA blog, one of my friends said to me, no, everybody likes Anchan that's loves Japan. People want, don't want to hear any criticism from you. So don't put that up, mm. you know? And I was just like, but that's not me. I mean, I can't, you know, I, I, I love Japan and I want to live here forever, but I'm not going to praise things that are, are ridiculous and need to be changed. That's irresponsible. You know, but but I think Baba, you've noticed that you know they a lot of Japanese people love it when we praise Japan, but they don't want to hear anything negative that we have to say. Um, and so, yes, <laughs> yeah, I would say I have noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> that has been Bobby's entire bread and butter for the last fifteen years. <laughs> At the same time, I've, I've gotten an incredible amount of support from most of my fans. Like most of my fans have been incredibly supportive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but of course, there's been backlash. Yeah, I think that's a good distinction to make because, and this is something that's come up in the show in multiple different ways uh, over a couple of different episodes, but there's a subset of Japanese people that will latch on to foreigners who like Japan just because they like Japan. And the second they deviate, they turn on them. And, and that's like a very small percentage. Like most of the people are, have been saying things like, thank you for saying stuff that we can't say. Thank you for speaking for the voiceless. Mm. Thank you for doing all this. So it's been mostly positive. But there have been some comments yeah. like, you know, don't don't say anything about Japan, you foreigner, you know, kind of thing like that, you know. Do you have any examples from your clashes with other parents uh, that may have been as a result of you being a foreign parent or might just be you have a different view of parenting and schooling to them? I think I think the thing is when when we as foreigners say anything negative, they, they automatically assume we want Japan to be just like America, you know, and which is not the case. I want right. Japan not to be crazy. Like and to treat people with respect and and their, to yeah. respect their human rights, you know, <laughs> like. Um, so, so it wasn't you suggesting that the school should act more like an American. No, school. and in fact, like they, they would, the not the school, but they other... didn't want them to implement active shooter drills. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, like, like for example, they make comments like, like. Uh, There's not enough school lunch debt in these schools. <laughs> Like, like, like they may comment like, um, oh, well, in Japan, you know, this is how we do things or, uh, well, you know, those like little like slight comments, you know, so tedious that isn't it? Well, that's the point that I would I would make to Ali is that I would guess from my experience that there's probably less discrimination. There's less like parents raising an issue because you're a foreigner and probably more anytime you raise an issue, they deflect it by going, that's because you're a right. foreigner. 
yeah, I mean, yeah. the, almost all the Japanese parents feel the same way I do. They just can't say it. But if they yeah. say it, if they say it, it's just a Japanese with a crazy opinion. If I say it, it's because I'm saying it because I'm a foreign. You know what I mean? So right. Yeah. And then and then I got this one line harassment where this guy all of a sudden told me to stop making fun of Japanese people with my behavior on the PTA, and I'm like, where did that come from? You know? So. And so you chose to instead do it on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> Actually, I actually quit the PTA in the middle. I, I was one of those rare people that actually just ditched the sinking ship. And people came up to me and they said, wow, you quit the PTA? How did you do that? And I'm like, well, it's a volunteer organization. It's not that hard. <laughs> Talking of a sinking ship, uh, our monthly donations uh, have plateaued, um, which in real terms means they're going down. So if you're the kind of person that listens to this show every single week and thinks, do you know what? Despite the fact that I probably don't have time to listen to the bonus content, despite the fact that I won't benefit from the fact that I get the episode released early, or more accurately, I don't have faith that Ollie will ever get round to releasing the episodes early, um, and I don't want discounts on merch, even if you don't want those perks, if you just want to support the show, then we ask you to convert your donation into a regular monthly subscription. Let, let me um, add on to that by saying we have been seeing regular weekly growth, which means there are a lot of new weekly regular listeners. So if you're a new listener and you've listened to the show more than a couple of times and you enjoy it, you can support it by subscribing monthly at Japan by River Cruise's website or at buymeacoffee.com slash Japan by River Cruise. Yeah, Bobby's put it far more succinctly than I have. If you are listening to the show and you don't give us money, please give us money <laughs> on a regular basis so we can buy a boat. Do you want to, do you want to try an even more simplistic version of, of what I've just summarized? Cash, please. <laughs> and with that, shall we jump into the news? Bobby Judo, what's the deal with all the people that have not paid us money yet uh only joking <laughs> what's in the news this week flawless segue uh we've seen a handful of tragic stories about suicide no um <laughs> <laughs> we've seen a handful of stories about so-called black schools uh and their rules this year as well as recent tragic story about bullying uh both of these areas bring up questions about what a school's stated policies are how long those policies have been on the books and how they contrast with what the schools actually do and the reason we wanted to talk to ann about this is because uh i noticed you were tweeting in japanese about some personal experiences you had with your children's schools rules about hair color can you tell us a little bit a little bit of background about that yeah when my daughter entered high school she, back in april she had to provide proof that she wasn't dyeing her hair. So they asked her to bring in a picture of before she entered elementary school. And at the time, I just thought it was ridiculous. I'm like, seriously, like you got to do that. And but you know, she took in the picture of when she was two. And then a couple months later, I was doing my my radio show and we had a human rights lawyer on and he was saying how, you know, all these crazy school rules, like and he was giving me all these crazy examples. And he said, Kids can't raise their voices. They can't speak out because they, they get punished by the school. So that's the job of adults. Like, they need to speak out. And it really, like, mm. spoke to me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just tweet about, like, how my daughter had to turn in that, you know, the picture. And, and it was all these people that agreed with me, like, that it was crazy. And um, and I got a lot of – I got, like, 16 – I think 16,000 retweets or something on that one. Um, well – 
There was a famous case that was decided, I think, in February uh, about a school in Osaka that had forced this uh, female student to dye her her hair. And she was ethnically Japanese, but they kept making her dye her brown hair black until they actually ended up damaging her hair. And when they took it to court, the court result was that uh, they found that the school was within its rights to enforce the school's policies, but that they had traumatized her uh, and they caused her emotional distress. And I think they awarded her something like $3,000, which um, everybody saw as a very noncommittal response to I mean, didn't, they didn't come down either way on whether or not having these rules was acceptable. So let's talk about the, these rules then, because yeah. they're obviously so important that they're prepared to piss parents mm. off. I, I actually was very lucky when I was 17, I got to spend a couple of weeks in a Japanese school. It's really interesting. But I think a lot of people can't imagine quite how regimented and re regulated Japanese school uniform policy is. So, Anne, what's the furthest a student can express their individuality on a school? campus well i think it totally, it totally depends to whether they go to a prefectural school a public school or a private school i think all the rules are different right. um depending on there's some schools that have no rules at all um but in general uh like i don't have any problem with like you know wearing uniforms or anything like that but there's this whole so-called black school rules black kosoku like for example they have rules about the position of your ponytail because if men see the nape of your neck they get you know mm. the, aroused and so um, that's bad, we right? we would Which like to ask you to refrain from discussing um the nape of women's necks on the show ollie and i will not be able please. to focus I'm, yeah, for... I, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry i'm sorry about that yeah. you set us off now. please forgive my um, insensitivity um and then like they have rules that like they actually measure student socks um to make sure they're not too long or too short they i heard i heard one case of a boy who wasn't supposed to, they're not supposed to do anything with their eyebrows they can't like shave their eyebrows or anything and, and, you know, this guy had a yeah. unibrow, right, you know, where they were growing together. And so he had it, like, just kind of trimmed at the, the barbershop. And he was called into the teacher's office, and they actually drew oh, his God. eyebrows with a magic marker. <laughs> Even in America, schools have rules about – they have dress codes, rules about what you you can't dress like. Uh, and a lot of them are, are ostensibly to, you know, preserve modesty or, you know, to keep the kids from being distracted uh, by – their hormones. Um, there's all these different reasonings for and having And the them. male teachers as well. And the male teachers as well. Um, but... Sorry, you just oh, got distracted by uh, thinking of the I neck. I was thinking though. of the, the nape of someone's neck again. <laughs> <laughs> but in the case of the, in the, case of the eyebrows, when I was working at uh, schools in Kawasoe in Saga Prefecture, there was um, a Yankee fashion trend. Yankee in the, in the sense of kind of like juvenile delinquent Japanese um, of completely right, right. shaving the eyebrows. And they would, they would take right. a kid who had completely shaved off his eyebrows and uh, redraw them on. What do you think is the reason for this focus on on hair and facial hair? I think they just they, they want to have control of the kids. They want to keep control of them, and they want to um, you know make everyone as much as possible the same and learn how to obey rules because I think they think they're doing it to help them prepare for society, but. You know, the rules in the States are, are generally aimed against vulgarity and like too much, like showing too yeah. much skin. Uh, a lot of the rules here are, are aimed at uh, um, suppressing individuality and making everybody the same, mm. which I think is very dangerous, especially when you deal with like mixed, mixed uh, yeah. race children. 
who have different kinds of hair colors or different kinds of hairstyle. Well, yeah, that's the thing, because this doesn't seem to be about suppressing someone's right to display their individuality. It's about making them conform to a self that isn't them in the first place. Mm. And, and particularly with mixed race exactly. children, these rules are ob obviously just don't have them in mind, do they? Well, I think I think that's the thing. Like Japanese society in, in many areas, including school rules, is is built on the fact that there's nobody else here but pure yeah. Japanese people right. or whatever, right? And I think... And, and like, like for example, my friend who has a mixed race um, child, she's, she's half, half black, half Japanese, the, her school has outlawed braids because braids are, are considered a kind of like fashion yeah. or whatever, like they're too fashionable. But for, you know, but for black women, braids are actually a, they keep their hair healthy. Mm. They're, they're, they're not just done for show. So for a year and a half, her hair has been damaged because she's not allowed to wear her hair in the mm. eight to 10 braids that she needs to have her hair and to stay healthy, you know, stuff like that. So um, Noah Oscow, who was a guest on the show a little while back, who is the current admin over at Unseen Japan, he's got a really good write-up uh, over the hair rule issue. And one of the things in his article is about how a lot of these rules were put in place because of an emergence of uh, teenage gangs and school gangs in the mm -hmm. 70s and 80s in Japan. Um, and how a lot of those gangs uh, grew in part based on kind of fashion signifiers, hairstyles and other right. fashion signifiers. And so this was a way of suppressing them. And one of the reasons that that Japanese schools even today are kind of reluctant to change these rules is because they're worried about a return to fashion signifiers leading to epidemics of violence. Right. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of these black school rules, um, which, which we should if you're not familiar with this usage of the word black in Japan, anything that's an immoral practice is referred to as black. There are black companies, there are black kigyo, which means companies. Part-time yeah, jobs. Black part-time yeah. jobs. Mm -hmm. um, is it worth putting a marker in to say potentially problematic? Oh, extremely problematic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, that's right then. But, but a lot of these rules on the books are, are often not even practiced anymore these days. Is that right? Well, you know... There's the official rules that they have in the student handbook, and then there's the unwritten rules that they all also have. Like, for example, in my friend's case, there's nothing in the student handbook that says braids are outlawed, but it says wear your hair appropriately for a yeah. junior high school student kind of thing. And then when she wore her hair in braids, she was called aside and said, yeah. that's against the rules. Well, so, that's where we start to see a problem, because if it's a rule that's not generally enforced, but it's on the books, and then occasionally it's called up and applied for problematic reasons, be they either for discrimination or for sexual harassment slash abuse. There was this, this huge uh, story that blew up maybe early this year or late last year about the training bras in elementary schools. You guys remember this? Mm -hmm. yep. It was uh, a rule about how mm -hmm. elementary school students were not allowed to wear bras or training bras. And in a special case where a girl's body had developed early and required the use, the teachers, even if they were male teachers, were in charge of assessing the girl's body and determining whether or not it was to be allowed. Yeah, look, reminding ourselves of stories like this, I think frames this discussion differently, doesn't it? Because this isn't just about keeping discipline and it's not about teaching children to learn the value of uh, abiding by rules and it's not about keeping order in schools it's about like like busybodiness it's about schools like yeah. wildly overreaching and interfering in in every aspect of a child's 
personal development. Well, there's an argument that that's a cultural difference because in the West, schools are not responsible for the socialization and the moral education in as hands-on a way as they are in the uh, in, in Japan. In Japan, uh, the teacher plays the role of like the third parent. Um, in in well, in fact, I think the concept of lo of loco parentis exists elsewhere. But I'm saying that even the most interventionist of parents wouldn't say, "Well, for for, for some daft reason, because of our policy, you can't wear the bra you need." Like that 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 policy's not there. Like loco parentis surely means you're thinking about that child as if you were their parent and not taking into account the rest of the world. But what's best for your child's interests? This training bra, bra story tells us that they're not looking at that child's individual best interests but rather looking at the whole. I think, I think that, to another difference, I think you can see this a lot in, in, in the corona policy, whereas an, an American would never ask the government, please lock us down because of this infection. The Japanese people are like, please lock us down because you have to protect us. I think there's that whole, like, they want to be protected. And I think you can see that in the schools, too, because a lot of parents actually ask the schools for stricter rules. They asked the schools, you know, I, I heard one, you know, please regulate the internet usage because, you know, it's easier if the schools do it or whatever. So um, it, it's not just that the schools are, are, you know, terrible. It's that the parents are actually asking. And unfortunately, most parents are completely uh, unaware or how do you say? Yeah, yeah. Bobby, they're... like they don't have any... Any awareness or interest, unless it involves their own they're kid, they're not aware from the of process. a lot of the problems. Yeah. And right. that's, that's where I wanted to go with this idea of um, teachers as responsible for moral education and socialization is the parents rely on that too much. They step back and they go, oh, they'll get okay. that at the school. Um, and yeah, I don't know if it's it's a lack of involvement. I don't know if it's just the way culturally it has been. I think the Japanese approach the way I see it tends to be, well, it takes a village to raise a child and there's a village over there, right. so I'll let them raise my child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I think that it's, I mean, that gives the schools this incredible amount of power and control over the kids. And, and, and to me, I mean, a lot of what I see and what I hear from other people is, is just can't, it's just bullying. I mean, they're just, they're yeah. just picking on the kids. I mean, drawing a, drawing a kid's, um, you know, eyebrows with a marker is just bullying. If if it's not, you know what I mean. There's no yeah. other way to look at well, it. Well, I don't. Know? I don't want to defend um, the schools, but it's not. It's not only an incredible amount of power. It's also an incredible amount of pressure and responsibility. Someone seen Spider Man. Exactly. I remember one thing. Exactly. I remember being surprised by um, was the fact that like if a if a kid shoplifts and he's not skipping class, he's not. It's not related in any way to school. If a kid who goes to a school shoplifts, the school and the teachers get involved right. and have to, like, apologize to the store that he shoplifted from or talk to the police. But this this right. extends even well into a Kaishain life because it's very common, I've heard, of someone doing some kind of misdemeanor and your boss going to the police station and having to take some degree of responsibility. Yep. You must have heard stories like this, Bobby, right? Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, Jap Japanese teachers are freaking busy. I mean, they are so busy. They are so busy. They come home late every night. They work on the weekends. And yet, for some reason, they still have to deal with this annoying PTA business. They have to, like, like the other day, my daughter was told that her thumbnail on her right hand needed to be trimmed because it was too huh. long. 
And I'm just like, these teachers are so stinking busy. They have, but but yet they still have to tell my daughter that her right thumbnail is too long. So please trim it. You know, it just seems like a lot of wasted time and energy. You know, that doesn't need to be wasted. So then, like that. why did you know? schools seem to step back and become hands off when it comes to bullying within the schools, student on student bullying? That's a really good question. You know, that's something I've been thinking about a lot. I mean. Uh, I don't know if they they just they they don't want to you know there's a lot of things in Japanese culture where they just don't want to face problems you know they don't like any kind of conflict I, I, I might maybe they don't answer. want the responsibility I mean I don't know what do you think I mean it's, it's it's just fascinating how they can be so concerned with my daughter's thumbnail Well, she really should have an optimized thumbnail to get the most views. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. What a bobby! Uh, I have a theory. Which I think might be the okay. correct answer, which is like telling your daughter to trim her nails is an easy job, yeah. which you can do even when you're right. really busy. Yeah. But stopping your daughter getting bullied is really hard. Yeah. And and I, uh, you know, I, I, I was bullied at my primary school and the school basically and looking back, I, I see like the teachers would have been my age. I wouldn't have had a clue what to do. Right, like, and I'm and I'm really smart, and I don't think these teachers were. Like, I, I I'm pretty sure it's just like it's such a difficult problem, and they are under resourced. Yeah. And and also, I think the mentality is, it will sort itself out. They're not going to be our problem in a few yeah. years. Right. Oh, I don't want to bring up the specifics of the story because it's very depressing. But um, there there was a a recent uh suicide that was a result of bullying. And they found out well after the fact. The school's position was that the bullying issue had been resolved. And then they found out after the fact that the students who were involved in the bullying had been, like, passing around a notebook that was titled How to Kill So-and-So. And they had suppressed that information and not said anything to the family. And the family's position was like, had we known that it was this bad and this was going on, we could have done something to intervene. And I don't... Right. For the responsibility for something like that, you you don't without knowing the situation, you can't say how much the school should have done, how much more involved the parents should have been. You 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 don't know anything. But but the fact that that the school seemed to have such strict policies stated about how to deal with bullying, but then to step so far back, whether it's to avoid responsibility or avoid suspicion or complicity i don't know what it is but it's something that as a parent i find very scary it is very scary and like you know i mean there's the whole there's a lot of problems in japanese schools not just you know school rules and stuff but it, it, and the bullying and there's a lot of you know teacher teacher bullying you know there was a case in, in kobe a few years ago where a, you know the teachers forced another teacher to eat spicy curry or yeah, whatever. i don't yeah. remember this one but i don't remember that but you know, and, you know, if the kids see that, you know, it, it, and they see them bullying each other and they see them bullying other kids, you know, how is bullying ever going to be erased from the Japanese society, you know? Um, so, you know, like, I, I just feel like my kids are constantly writing essays about bullying. I feel like all they ever do is write essays about why bullying is bad, you know? And yet it's not just about writing essays. It's about actually act acting, you know, moving into action. It's about being a good example to the kids, not just having them write essays all over. About yeah, it. and you do wonder if the same yeah. amount of effort was expended on on creating a culture where bullying is not necessary in order to thrive. 
then you like you just wouldn't you wouldn't have yeah. time to worry about these stupid school uniform policies or seating plans or or, or whatever else. I don't know, but I don't know about you guys. I, I don't know how it is in England, but I I don't really have I've really seen very little experience or experience really that much adult bullying in the U.S. Like where people actually bully their coworkers or bully their their you know friends or whatever. Like I mean, here it's just like I was so bullied on the PTA. I mean, I have not been so bullied since I was like in the mm. fourth grade. And I hear and I hear stories like that all around me, like adults getting bullied by other adults. And I just I don't have any memory of that ever happening it seems to me that you were bullied as a tool right they, they bullied you because they wanted something which was to get you the hell out of their hair to stop you from interfering and and my view is if there was another means by which they could exculpate you and stop making you a bother they would but those means of communications don't exist uh, and so like bullying right. is the most efficient tool to get what you want and i think the same is true in the playground right like a, a kid with low self-esteem the quickest way to get it is to team up with the the person that can offer it and that's then i think the same is true for for teachers yeah i mean uh, it's it's something that i don't know it just seems like it's been an issue in japanese society for years and it just doesn't ever seem to get any better you know it's but i, I do see hope about the school rules there are a lot of changes i think going on like my friend was it, as a result of my tweets and a bunch of other issues has been is able to wear braids now her school back down and allowed her to wear braids so you know and there are a lot of pe people I, I think twitter is very effective in japan because it's the only place where people can you know ex just expel all of their honne their their yeah. real feelings mm -hmm. and and i think that's that's become a community for social change in japan so i so, I, so there is a lot of positive things that i see flip side of that is Twitter is also one of the most effective places to go to bully someone. Hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode 104 of Japan by River Cruise. Give us some money. And uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, please give us some money. <laughs> No, uh, you got it. No, uh, sincerely, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I, I genuinely hope that all of our kids grow up okay. Uh, and if our listeners would like to hear more from you, where can they find you? Well, um, please check out my YouTube channel called Anjan no Kotoba Cafe. I put up a video every week, and actually, I'm going to put up a live video from Tokyo this week or next week. So please check that out. And yeah, I do a bilingual blog and. Uh, pretty much every social media out there. So yeah, check me out. We'll link everything up in the notes. And thanks again. We will see you next week.